All right, guys, welcome to the show. Keith Reza with the one and only. Hello, everyone. It's Alan Lee here. Energized, ready to go, ready to make this thing happen. That's his new slogan. Hello, everybody. <laughs> we got a great show tonight. Thanks for tuning in. If you like it, subscribe, brain review uh, on Apple Podcast at Reza Riffs. Alan is on his Zoom telephone right now. First you got Zoom it. interview on the car that he's doing. Yeah. We've got uh, my air conditioning on. Got some coffee here with a little uh, Jack Daniels. Got the bottle last night. It's halfway full, and I'll be feeling real good uh, in about 10 minutes. Oh, wow. It's hit me now. Hey, Keith, what, pa- what podcast is it? Just, just okay. playing. Just hopefully, playing. hopefully he does that after the interview. Otherwise, it's going to be a long ten minutes for me. Uh, and John, think about the guest for a change. <laughs> think, think about the guest, bro. It's we should, about we, you. It's we should introduce you. the guest. Oh <laughs> uh, god, we got a great guest. A couple things before I introduce him. I'll be at the rec room on. October 30th with Jeremy Hotz. Get your tickets at www.recroomhp.com. Uh, other than that, I'm it's a great room, by the way. It's a great room. It's a great and, room. Uh, Alan, Lee, Alan Lee should go up there and, and open, too. Uh, yeah, I performed. I performed there once before. So, yeah, get your tickets. Uh, I'm also on Cameo if you need a Cameo. And speaking of a Cameo, our guest is on Cameo. That's how I met him. Uh You've seen him in everything, or you've heard him in everything. He's the voice of Deadpool in the Marvel games, the voice of Buster Bunny, the tiny Looney Tunes. Uh, He's been on Star Search where he won. And he is the voice, perhaps best known for the voice, as Rico the the raccoon in Pocahontas. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Oh, my God. What do you – oh, my God. Best known as the voice of the Crypt Keeper. And tales of the crypt. We got the great John Kaiser going to be zooming in with us. Subscribe, rate, review if you like it. Alan, are you ready to rock and roll? Oh, yeah. All right, guys. Enjoy the show. You're listening to Razor Riffs with Keith Razor and Alan Lee. Right here on LA Talk Radio. Shade for this. But you know what? It's not visual. Hey, John. How you doing, man? Can you hear me? I can. How are you? Good. Just want to make sure. Oh, glad to meet you. Oh, there you are. Excuse me. John, this is Alan Lee, the trusty sidekick. The trusty sidekick. Glad to meet you, John. I don't know about the trusty part. I was going to say, is there anything trusty about a sidekick? Uh, I, I don't know. Are they always trying to be the top banana? Yeah, Robin. <laughs> Robin. Batman and Robin. That's, that's, that's true. That's true. How do I get Why am I not being able to get to full screen? Hmm. I, I see you in a creepy lair, John. You see me in a creepy lair. <laughs> There's my little pal. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to adjust my my front lighting for some reason uh, the went out for some reason so I'm trying to like use my my phone light. Ah. Well, uh, no worries. We don't promote the video, just the audio. So you look Got fine. It. Then yeah. I don't worry about it. <laughs> John, thank you so much for doing it. It took three years, but we finally got it to happen, right? Fantastic. <laughs> Dude, I, I, it's like you get so many people ask you, and obviously you try to get something quality like yourself to do. Um, not that people can't do quality when they're, they haven't been around a, a while, but I have, to, I have to use some kind of criteria because they get a lot of them, especially around Halloween. And, you know, usually like six months out and, you know, all these different things, it's hard to... You know, it's hard to um, say yes to everyone. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, I actually. just can't do it. I don't have the time. I, I would love to be able to do it. I enjoy doing it. But let's see. Now, why am I not getting? I see you. There you are. Hold on. I'm in my room and it's very uh, crystal clear. 
Why is it not giving me the thing to give a full? It's only showing the red. It's a Beach Boys song in my room. It in my room. <laughs> in my in my, in my crypt. In my <laughs> crypt. There we All go. Right. All right, you ready, John? So tell me, where and when is this air? Uh, we could release it Monday, and it will be all over the, the universe, L.A. Talk Radio. L.A. Talk Radio, great. And Be uh, careful with that universe word. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> it'll go all, all over the world. Oh, Spe geez. Speaking of all over the world, you are probably one of the biggest celebrities on Cameo, <laughs> which is where I met you. Yeah. How are you liking that app? Uh, I'm having a great time because it actually is giving me an opportunity to like come up with fun little, you know, because most people can just go, hey, I'm John Schneider. And, uh, you know, I was on the Dukes of Hazard, and I just want to say hi to all you and a happy birthday to Jim from, from Mary, you know, and I have to like write everything. People are like, can you, you know, tell my friend who just had penis surgery, can you put in some jokes? Now, um, yes, I heard you had a little problem with the old bone. <laughs> you know, so I, I, I'm actually getting to like write puns again and, um, you know, have some fun and entertain people on a, on a, you know, entertaining fans one fan at a time. It's just a really a lot of fun. I'm, I'm enjoying it. I really am. Yeah, I, I don't mean to brag, but I'm also on Cameo, and I, I get, like, one a month. <laughs> hey, that's something. <laughs> I have friends that are, like, Broadway actors, stars and stuff. They don't get one a month. You know, so, oh, um, that. you know, it depends on the media that you're in, you know? You yeah, I'm in the media of stand-up comedy, which you used to do. Yes, I did for many so years. So, like, because uh, I heard you got offered to do stand-up on Star Search after they saw you on a play. That is correct. We're, we're recording, by the way. This is, like, the, the interview, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is it. Oh, my God, <laughs> yeah. we're live. I thought we were just yeah. riffing before the show. Like a night. <laughs> it's like before TV. It's like I wouldn't have said any of that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Obviously, I know. Um, if you no, want me to uh, edit that out, I will. No, don't don't edit it at all. This is. I'm this not is, sure. Why. These are the jokes. This is makes what makes it unique. Uh, you know, whatever, whatever. You know, uh, I mean, if you have to edit out stuff, uh, you know. Howard, I'm a big believer in not editing because I feel it's a real intimate conversation. Fabulous, fabulous. Um, I think it was an in intimate conversation for the guy that needed. Uh, Penal jokes too, um, uh, but uh, penile jokes. Penile. Um, but uh, you know, it's it's funny how that worked out. I mean, I was a theater actor. I had always wanted to be a theater actor. I went from studying theater in college and having acted on stage pretty much my whole life as a kid, and um, you know, to my first off Broadway show in New York, and I found out how little it paid and how hard it was to make a living at it. And, um, you know, I was making more money street performing than I was on stage in New York. And um, after a, a number of years of, of roughing it, you know, I had done sketch comedy with a comedy group that came out of Baltimore where I grew up and where I'd gone to college called Animal Crackers. And we were we were kind of like the Baltimore's version of Second City. And um, we had done uh, some some a uh, lot of club work and 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 also. Had, oh my uh, God! I remember Animal Crackers. You do? Really? Yes, I do. Fantastic. We, I don't we, want to we, date we, myself. Well, we created quite a name for ourselves over you know it's a, a little bit of time, but um, that's right. And you definitely are dating yourself, uh, <laughs> as, as am I. But. Um, uh, no, I, you know, I had, so I had done sketch comedy and that kind of thing, street performing, but I hadn't really yeah. done much in the way of stand-up. And, um, you know, we had done USO tours all over the world, the, mm. the US military and that nice. kind of thing, four out of the group uh, of us and, and, and that kind of thing. So um, I got a call from a friend of mine, a uh, comic by the name of Jeff Joseph, who you may remember, uh, who's mm -hmm. been around and acting in, um, 
to this day and, and doing a great job. He's still killing it uh, as an actor. Um, called me and said, hey, you know, my roommate just auditioned for something, but I think you're perfect for it. It's uh, off-Broadway musical about stand-up comics, um, you know, called Three Guys Naked from the Waist Down, which is kind of a metaphor for what it feels like to be in front of the audience when you're bombing. Right. Um, sure. But think, <laughs> think Dream Girls, but with stand-up comics. You know, so it's a musical. There you go. It, it's uh, three comics, and they all are very different. You know, there's the quintessential MC, played by Scott Bakula, and um, the the uh, law student turned angry comic, played by Jerry Colker, who wrote the the, the piece. And I played kind of the suicidal Andy Kaufmanish type character, who really kind of has no touch with reality except through his stand-up comedy. And um, the three of them together, you know, wind up being this great three guy team and getting, you know, getting launched into the stratosphere. And that and this musical, we play all the agents and we play the, you know, the TV reporters and the whole thing, as well as uh, the three stand ups. And it's uh, it was a real great show and a big hit off Broadway. And while I was doing the show, um, Star Search was in its first season. And they came to me and, and said, uh, hey, uh, we want you to be on Star Search. And I'm like, as what, a singer? You know, I'm doing a musical <laughs> here. Uh, you know, they had Sam Harris, who was killing it on the show. And I was like, I can sing. I'm doing a musical, but I can't sing like Sam Harris. You know, this guy's. And they're like, no, no, no. We want you to come on as a stand-up comic. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm not really a stand-up comic. I just parked on a plane in a show. They go, well, you can win $100,000. I'm like, fuck, have you seen my act? You know, so I, was like, <laughs> I guess I'm a stand-up comic now. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess I am. Um, sure. You know, I got my ass into the club. And I didn't really have any. You know, I had some bits that I had been doing since I was in high school with my buddy, Fred. You know, we'd do the morning announcements. And I... I do like the Wizard of Oz and, you know, in 10 minutes and the entire, you know, it's a twister. It's a twister. Dorothy, Dorothy, honey, I'm, honey, I'm, let me in, let me in. Come on, Toto. What's them? What's them? That's the castle of the Wicked Witch. Oh, Dorothy's in that awful place. Oh, I hate to think of her in there. Fellas, we've got to get her out. I got a plan how to get in there, and you're going to lead us. All right, I'm going there for Dorothy. Wicked witch or no wicked witch. Gods or no gods, it's just one thing I want you fellas to do. What's that? Talk me out of it. <laughs> as, as mayor of the Munchkin City in the county of... You know, so... That was like, awesome, man. Thanks. But I was just like, what am I going to do? You know, this is... I, I didn't have an act, so I was doing... I had created this persona of a guy who was addicted to television. And so like my standup was kind of like being in a, in a AA meeting, you know, where I'm a tubaholics <laughs> meeting and um, I'm trying not to channel TV shows and That's great. I ch change myself with remote control and the whole deal. And this was, this was my act through star search and I kept winning, you know, and I was, every time I won, I had to, you know, come up with a new, two and a half minutes, three minutes that they, they would want you to do. And that's and so, very hard. I don't think people realize how hard that is on a competition show like that. Oh my God. You, you know, as a performer, you're not there doing it to compete. I mean, you compete for parts, but you compete by doing your job. You don't compete right. by like, Hey, I'm going to be funnier than you, you know, <laughs> kind of thing. But you know, I think it was, I think it worked in my advantage because some of the uh, comics had to like take bits out of their act and kind of, smash them into two and a half minutes without us knowing them without right. us getting a sense of who they were and here i am doing like you know trying to emulate somebody like ernie kovacs and go out there and do you know do my two and a half john kassir show for two and a half minutes which is kind of the way i treated it and um you know and it, and it worked to my favor I, you know i by the time i won six seven times and wound up in the semifinals uh i went up against rosie o'donnell in the semifinals and sinbad in the finals and i won and next thing i know they're like you're gonna be opening for tom jones in vegas and i was like <laughs> everybody's pat me on the back going oh my god you're gonna open for tom jones like i can't open for tom jones in vegas why not i have a fucking act how am i gonna open for tom jones in vegas you know so I got my ass in the clubs and, um, you know, in between doing three guys naked off Broadway and, um, and working the clubs, um, you know, I was 
opening for the Temptations and the Four Tops on their TNT tour and Lou Rawls, you know, for 5,000 people at Michigan State in this huge, you know, auditorium. And, you know, and having come from the theater, I was used to playing on stage, so it wasn't like it was foreign to me at all. In fact, yeah. I probably had more, a lot more stage time than most of the comics who were up and coming. You know, now, everybody... when you beat Sinbad, like, were you, like, part of you, you had to be kind of, like, shocked in a way, you know what I mean? Like, Oh, I, I didn't expect to even go more than one week, you know, I mean, it was, right. it was like, they were like, oh, you're going to get your after card. I was already, sad, <laughs> you know, Screen Actors Guild, but you get your after card and, you know, by the time they rerun it and stuff, you'll make a couple of grand. I was like, hey, I was getting paid $175 a week off Broadway. It's like, you know, so um, and then you start winning. And you're like, shit, <laughs> I could win this thing. You know, and you're coming. You're, I'm flying back and forth because I'm doing the show in New York, eight shows a week. And, you know, they're working around my schedule and all this stuff. And, you know, and then I, I came in at the end of the first season um they already had uh the people who were going into the semifinals and the finals for the first season so i was the continuing champ you know going into the second season and um you know uh as a lot of people know brad garrett wound up winning the the first season uh rightly so he was so wonderful and um you know and and so i had the whole summer to uh start getting my ass in the clubs and working up some material and stuff to come back in the fall as the continuing champ into the into the thing but you know i had met rosie o'donnell in a little club in long island you know uh sheep's head bay or something you know and she was the MC. she's like oh i watched you on tv and she knew all about my work in theater and you know that's why she was such a great you know show host when she was a talk show host because she so gets into this stuff yeah and i was like oh my gosh and then all of a sudden i'm i'm like up against her and i'm like you know she was just the mc where I, when i was doing it but i know she's got like a lot of good material and she's likable and she's you know and so uh you know at that point you're like going oh, i you know if i don't win i don't win nobody can expect me to win it, it wasn't even expected to be a stand-up comic you know and um you know and and the you know the judges really liked liked what i was doing and and they you know uh and i really just tried to do my best to do a great act every week was was tom jones opening up for tom jo jones worth it or was the hundred thousand more better oh you know if i had taken any one of those uh hotel keys that got thrown on stage from women you know back then <laughs> they were still throwing hotel keys on the stage yeah. and, and underwear and pantyhose and all kinds of stuff <laughs> i was like i'd show up at their door boop, boop, boop. listen tom can't make it but what about the opening act you know uh <laughs> <laughs> you know um it, it just always it just used to crack me up i when i opened for lou rawls lou rawls was oh. like he came he was about to go on stage and the, the audience i was literally five thousand people and i had done the, my act and by then some some people knew who i was from star search and stuff and you know a lot of comics couldn't get up in front of five thousand people and entertain a big you know an auditorium like that but having done theater and big theaters um it trained you, know, you. yeah it, it trained me for that kind of thing and knowing to mm -hmm. slow down for the laps and play to the back of the house and and mm -hmm. i had a lot of visual bits that worked really well mm -hmm. and um so i came off stage he's like oh my he goes he came off after he did he did it and he was and he was like, oh, my God, that was just one of the best shows ever. I said, well, I had to be the opening act. And I was just kidding, of course. He was like, you know what? I think it was. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, I mean, it was it was a lot of fun. Of course, you know, you open for some you know, rock bands and stuff. I opened for Richard Belzer at Johns Hopkins University. I opened for, you know, in our comedy group, it, uh, when Animal Crackers was in Baltimore, we opened for a, uh, you know, a, a, um, Grateful Dead at the famous ballroom and you know of course Whoa. everybody had, had timed their drugs for the band so they were like climbing up on stage in the middle of our act <laughs> I mean the bouncers are in the back getting high with the band you know so we didn't have anybody to stop people from coming grabbing the microphone hey we're better than this comic these comics are fuck yeah you know <laughs> people were like you know tripping their asses off while we're on stage you know um, 
so it wasn't the easiest thing to trans you know uh transition into but it also you know after uh you know after hitting television uh after winning star search and getting great agents in la and getting on my first series hbo first and 10 um which was hbo's first series by a football team i played the bulgarian field goal kicker zagreb Skanuski. I, I could kick 60 yard field goals you know now of course that's nothing because look at justin that, that's very good for a football <laughs> kicker yeah well you know so back then it was under you know people didn't even think that people would they would never even give a kicker the chance to kick a 60 yard field goal <laughs> um so i played you know this bulgarian field goal you know a soccer player who could football player who could you know kick these you know but he, you know, came to America with no idea of cause and effect. He walk up to two ladies, yeah, hey, I play for the California Bulls. I fuck you both, yes, you know, <laughs> smack him in the face. But you know, that was my six, seven years working with uh, O.J. Simpson. Holy and, Lord, um, O.J. And uh, were and, you uh, scared uh, when this whole O.J. thing happened? Like, uh... I for, first of all, I was like, no way. Hey, OJ wouldn't do that. He, he might hire somebody to do that, but <laughs> <laughs> I never thought for, I mean, I was like, I had like, you know, Newsweek magazine calling me and going, Hey, uh, do you have any comment to make? It's like, no, I was on a show with OJ. He was always really cool to me, you know, a bit misogynistic, <laughs> but you know, I was, you know, he did on everything that moved in the middle of shooting a scene, you know, but you know, uh, but we tried to get OJ for this show and his lawyer said no, because uh, I I toured with Norm McDonald and uh, Norm, uh, I guess really OJ nice. hated Norm because of all the weekend update jokes. Ah, well, so he automatically he hated me. <laughs> we had Cato Kalen. We did have Cato. Cato, I've met over the years, you know, yeah. uh, oh. <laughs> what, what a story, right? Yeah, Kato's so funny because he'd always be like, like I did stand up with him a couple times, and he'd go to the green room, right, and he'd be like, "All right, uh, I think OJ's in California right now, so just walk with me wherever I go." <laughs> wow. wow! So, how did you transition from stand up to to voice acting? Well, you know, I was doing first and 10 on HBO and, and um, you know, HBO called my agents, uh, well, HBO, uh, the, the casting people for Tales from the Crypt uh, who had done other stuff for HBO called my, my, uh, my agents and said, Hey, listen, you know, we, John would be great for this. We need somebody who can, you know, cause I had done all these characters. I didn't have jokes in my standup because I, I had never written any. I was all, you know all these these characters and voices and you know stream of consciousness stuff and they were like we need somebody who could do that we need somebody who could be uh the voice of this character who can be funny who can be a good actor you know all these things um you know will he come audition at kevin yeager's studio and i had collected the comic books as a kid so i was like i couldn't believe they were making it into a series first of all I was yeah like, oh, that's like a God. dream come true yeah, I mean, I went to the audition just to see Kevin Yeager's studio, and Kevin had made Chucky and, you know, designed Freddy Krueger, and he had all this cool stuff down there. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to get to go to Kevin Yeager's studio, you know, and hang out with Kevin Yeager, you know, and I show up, and he's working on different versions of, you know, the puppet. And, um, you know, he's got all these different versions, some of them with a nose, some of them without. They all have rotten, rotting teeth. He had made him out of, they didn't give him much money to start with because it was HBO. They didn't have big budgets at that time. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, he was using spare parts. He was using, you know, Chucky's eyes, which wound up sticking, you know, uh, with the character because um, he just wound up looking great. But originally he was just using spare parts out of his shop. And, um, you know, if you notice in the first couple of seasons, the Cryptkeeper talks slower and more ominously. And that, yeah. that was because his <laughs> mouth didn't work very well you know so uh once we got picked up and they gave him more money you know he was able to you know help me out doing that uh stand-up delivery that we did but I, I i i saw the puppet i saw what it looked like i saw people looking at the script going at the puns going be careful what you ask for you may get it this this sucks i'm like these guys don't get it 
Yeah. Shakespeare to this guy. This is awesome. You know, it was Alfred Hitchcock who said, you know, puns are the highest form of, of alliteration. You know, they're just really great stuff. And uh, of course, I started putting my own, leaning my own shit into it. And, and um, you know, I was like, oh, I'll give it my Wizard of Oz, Margaret Hamilton laugh. And I'll, you know, and I'll give him a lot of texture and, you know, just imagine drool coming out of his mouth while he's sleeping. <laughs> and, you know, when he breathes, he's got to breathe in through the holes in his neck. And, you know, I, I, I approached it as an actor would. And um, mm -hmm. and I started doing it for Kevin Yeager in his studio. He just had a little boombox with a little lav mic. He didn't have any studio or anything there. And he's recording it on a cassette tape. And I started doing the voice and he was like, he was, you could tell he was already had, had been through so many bad versions of it that he was just, you know, and when I started doing it, it was like, oh my God, yes, yes, yes. And he's like, he's like, give me that rolling thing with his fingers. Go, go. Ah. You know, and I, I started laughing because he's so animated and I'm like, oh, great. The, you know, Crypt Keeper laughs at his own jokes. This is perfect. And I just started doing it more and more and you know like the next day he had me doing it for joel silver and richard donner mm -hmm. and those were the big bosses right oh the huge they were the biggest guys in the business at the time mm -hmm. you know well, richard donner always uh you know I'm, I'm so sad he's gone what a what a great guy i mean just not, I not only just a great director and did some of the most amazing stuff ever but uh, i mean he directed omen for christ's sake i mean on top of everything people are like really he did that it was like you know the omen i mean he did so many different genres of movies mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. um some of my favorite tales from the crypt episodes are his too of course um uh but uh you know did it for them they go, great this is awesome we'll see you we'll see you on the set and i'm like you know you don't believe it until somebody actually until you get it, it. yeah yeah you know, and you're working for scale. It's it's not you know for HBO. I never really got rich off of doing the show on HBO. Um, you know, I probably make more money on cameo. Than <laughs> uh, but I don't I don't charge that. But I mean, I don't overcharge my fans. I do it for the fans. You know, I'm not yeah. doing it to get rich. I mean, there are guys that are like. It's gonna cost you two hundred and fifty dollars for me to say happy birthday to your grandma. <laughs> You'd be no. surprised though what what people would pay though because like when Norm was on it, Norm charged three fifty and I was his assistant at the time, and I was like I think he could charge that much and he didn't really he only wanted to do it to pay for some bills and stuff but mm -hmm. he was getting like hundreds of requests a day it was crazy. That's amazing. That's great. I mean I know some people that charge a lot just because they know they're not going to do that many. So <laughs> So the, so the fans are like, well, if they really want one, they'll pay $250. And I, you know, I made some money doing <laughs> one a month, you know, um, you know, I make it. It's just I, my hooker money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, I'm sorry. You can jerk off instead this month. Um, but, uh, you know, I feel lucky. Uh, to have that fan base. So, you know, I make it accessible to them. I, I don't know, you know, I charge what makes it worthwhile for me to spend the time to do it. And, you know, because, you know, first of all, if they book it through the Apple app, you get another 30% taken off of it, you know, and 15% or whatever comes off the top for the Cameo app. So you really don't even, you know, even at 70, 75 bucks that I charge, you don't even make that much on it. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I do it for them and, and I make a little extra money, you know, pays yeah. a few, you know, pay, helps pay the water bill or whatever, you know, <laughs> I, anything that helps when you're an actor, you're like, oh, good. You know, back in the day when I was street performing and, and hiding change in my apartment so that if I didn't have any money, I knew I could find a couple of quarters to buy a slice of pizza, you know, yeah. um, you know, that you remember those days uh, as an actor, no matter how much money you make, because, you know, it's it's just the kind of business that's not that's never been steady. And I've been no. really lucky. But, to you know, I mean, to answer your question, you know, they had knew that I did all these voices in my stand up. And that's how I was offered to come in and audition for Tales from the Crypt. And of course, once I got Tales from the Crypt, I got the best agents in the voiceover business, DPN. I've been with them since 1988. Yeah, they're amazing. And we've done so many projects together and it established me as a voice actor um, on top of all the other work <laughs> that I've done. Yeah. Wow. And then the, uh, I have a question about the crypt, though. Uh, did you ever write like your own little jokes for that? Because it seems like 
It was some of it was you, you know? Well, they had great writers, first of all, you know, uh, Gil Adler, who was a showrunner and, and Alan Katz, who, you know, and they also wrote a bunch of episodes and, and Gil directed episodes and stuff. You know, they were great because you could tell when you had bad writers, when the Crypt Keeper would get pimped out for some, uh, you know, some hockey team or, uh, you know, to do the intro for the new hockey season or to do some advertisement, you know, Bud Light stuff and all that was written by great writers, copywriters, and that stuff was great. But some people didn't get the puns very well. And when it wasn't written well, you could tell. I mean, it was hard to deliver it. Um, so I was very lucky to have those guys. But over the years, I used to enter entertain them in the studio when we were recording, doing the Crypt Keeper as John Wayne or the Crypt Keeper as, you know, we even did like Howard Stern. Yo, shock jock, you know. Uh, I was, you know, I'd be like, I love a girl, ghoul who give you head and then let you keep it. <laughs> you know, the next, next week it's in the fucking copy. You know, I'm just like, oh my God, this is great. But I, I, you know, and over the years I've had to write a lot of different stuff when I, I mean, when every, every season we launch a new season or every time we launch a new movie or whatever, I would have to do two days of drive, drive time radio uh, interviews um, as the Crypt Keeper. Holy you know, Lord. So wow. I would do, I'd, they'd start with the wet East Coast and come across, you know, early in the morning, I'd start like 5 a.m. in the morning and come across the United States and do like 50, 60 of them in two days. Wow. Was that hard for you? Because it, you... it was hard, you know, and I'd, I'd like, I'd come up with something and I'd jot it down. So then I'd have that pun for another time, you know, <laughs> and so people ask a lot of the same questions or I'd lead the questions into that stuff. But I had so, you know, it's like now when I, do the cameos i try to make each one individual but you know a lot they a lot of people request the same kind of things whether it's birthdays or that kind of thing so a lot of the same puns come up but you know i try to make each one as individual as i can but it's hard you know i mean there's just just so many things that that uh rhyme with with uh with you know words that have to do with death and dismemberment yeah <laughs> <laughs> i think national death day would be huge for the crypt keeper you know like a little Totally. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. Right. That's right. <laughs> but I'd have to charge because you can take it with you. <laughs> now, now, John, we have a couple Twitter questions for you, and I want to respect your time, so I sure. want to I want to nail these. Um, this is from Twisted Viv eighteen. John is Buster Bunny Bugs's son? No. <laughs> we're tiny we're toony we're all a little loony you know the the um the tiny tunes uh world was a whole different world than the than you know um the original uh warner brothers characters i mean they were so amazing and um you got to hand it to uh you know steven spielberg um who had licensed all those characters during that time and so when they were bringing these these characters to life and of course i didn't originate buster bunny uh i sure sure felt honored to be able to bring him to life but charlie adler who's <laughs> not only a dear friend but also one of my favorite voice actors and voice directors who i work with all the time um you know originated that voice and um ha actually recommended me for it when um when he was leaving the show um oh that's thought, awesome and they thought of me too because <laughs> because they had done an episode where Buster Bunny does the Crypt Keeper, you know, which was which was really kind of funny. Um, and so uh, they go up, well, you know, the Buster can do the Crypt Keeper. The Crypt Keeper must be able to do Buster. So they hired me without even auditioning me. But, um, you know, it's so, the writing is so bimodal. I mean, it's so scans for adults as well as kids. There's such great, great stuff in there that... Um, that if you you go back and watch as an adult, you'll you'll be like, oh my god, I didn't even get that the first time. You're like, wait a minute, this this entire episode is the African Queen with Humphrey Bogart and <laughs> and Catherine Hepburn. You know, it's like as a kid, you wouldn't know that. <laughs> yeah, so so it's pretty amazing stuff. But you know, it lives on its own. It lives on its own. I mean, you know, if you want to think he has Bugs DNA in him, then you go right ahead. But uh, there you go. I think a lot of people probably assume that too. Like that was a good 
sound like a corny question, but I thought that was a good question because you're the expert, you know? You know, you, you may ask the writers or somebody involved with the creating of the show and they may have a different answer. I mean, <laughs> I mean, they, they, may, they may actually have, have thought that. I, You know, it's funny, all the time I'll get, I'll hear from, you know, showrunners or something in, a, in an interview and they'll say something. It was like, I did this show for five years. I never knew that. You know, yeah. that <laughs> You know, I mean, when I did Rocket Power, I had no idea how how popular Ray Rocket was and oh, yeah. Rocket Power until I started on Twitter and people were like, oh, my God, I love Ray Rocket. And, you know, I, I had a single dad and we just thought it was so great. And, you know, I loved Reggie and I started my own zine and the whole deal. And you're like, wow, this is really <laughs> great. You, you just don't know what will. Yeah, you know, is, that I mean, the, is that the same feel for Deadpool? Like, did you know he was going to be just as popular? I loved Deadpool. I mean, I loved Deadpool as a character, and I was, like, so cool when they threw it to me, you know, as the very first person to do Deadpool when they brought him to life. And they thought of me, obviously, because he talks to the camera, and he yeah. does all these jokes, and he's, you know, he's a, a smart ass. And, um, you know, so I, of course, wanted to go a lot edgier with it, but they're like, no, kids play this game. You can't really, you know. So I was really <laughs> glad when they, you know, they cut, you know, they, they scripted and cut sure. Ryan Reynolds loose to do you know, the foul mouth, you know, dark character that I had always imagined him to be. Mm -hmm. um, but I knew that Deadpool would, I, I hoped that Deadpool was going to be popular. Of course, those guys switch up like you'll do them for a couple of seasons and then somebody else gets to do them and you wind up doing Pyro or somebody else or, you know, they switch around. I think they don't want you to get too popular playing a character because then they have to pay you more. But um, right. something, something along that line. Or they just try to change it up because they change the way he looks. You know, I mean, uh, you know, once they made him uh, uh, beefier, you know, they, you know, they wanted a bigger boy. You know, they hired Nolan North to come in because they wanted more of a, you know, something that had a little more of a resonance to him, you know, kind of guy. You know, and, and I was like, that's cool. But, you know, I, I, I think that mine was the closest to what it was written in the comic books. And you know, I agree. I thought yours was the best. Thanks. It was just, you know, I mean, I also had the luxury of being the first guy to put a put a mark on it from the comic book. So if you um, were 30 years younger, you could be better than Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> Welcome to the gun show. Uh, okay, I want to we have three more Twitter questions. I want to, like, respect your time and just just no, no, go, go ahead. Oh, OK. This is from Erica Rhodes. Uh, John. Did you ever meet Billy Zane and what was he like? Oh, wow. I, I did meet Heck? Billy Zane. I bet I met Billy Zane on the set of Demon Knight. Yeah. And um, he was awesome. First of all, he was killing it in that role. <laughs> He's one of the, I mean, that, everything about that movie is awesome from the soundtrack to Ernest Dickerson's direction to the casting to the sets to the music. I mean, the soundtrack is unbelievable. And uh he was so great in it i mean i didn't know you know i had seen billy zane and all these other things but i didn't know he could you know play that that double-edged you know menace and comedy at the same time so well yeah. and um and i had already met uh bill sattler a number of times because uh, he had worked on the show and we used to go to like you know um uh todd masters uh halloween parties every year where everybody would dress up for todd did all the effects for tales from the crypt and um, and uh, that kind of thing. So I was uh, I thought I'd go down to the set and they were working with the with the um, creatures, with the demons, which was really cool. They had these really skinny dancer guys on stilts doing these things and they had these weird faces. And Billy is standing at the bottom of the steps, yelling up the steps like, you know, at it was supposed to be. Uh, I think it's supposed to be Jada Pinkett in that scene. Maybe I can't remember now. And there's, you know, this, he can't get through the circle, but um, there wasn't anybody to play opposite him. They go, go to the top of the steps and like, you know, razz Billy, you know, you just razz him from the top of the steps. So he's yeah. getting him all pissed off so he can yell at it upstairs and all that stuff. So that was kind of fun. <laughs> and so that was, that was, uh, you know, I mean, he does a lot of conventions that I've, uh, we do a lot of conventions together, but it, it's oh. funny. We get invited to a lot of conventions for Demon Night together, and we've not been able to do any of them because of the pandemic and stuff. But I'm sure we'll see each other again. Um, 
But, uh, you know, it's funny because even though I had been on all these shows and was a stand-up and everything, once I started doing voiceover, people didn't, and I, because I played so many characters that never looked like me right. on, on camera, people didn't usually put my face to anything. <laughs> you know, which was which was right. a lu a luxury as That's an actor to continue no. wow. continue to work, have anonymity, yeah. and you know, like nowadays, <laughs> I mostly have all anonymity unless I go to a convention where everybody knows what I look like, you know, because mm -hmm. of social media and stuff. Now, would you say like that? just coincidental for you or do you think like that happens for all voice actors because like for disney for example they kind of shape their the characters for the voice actor they do and they don't you know it's like they 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 like to you know they like to to keep things disney you know yeah. I mean, it's it's you know they don't want it to be the voice actors thing they don't want it to be anything which is the way disney does things that's how they've done it for years and years and years and i love working for disney i've i've done some of my best work for disney um you know whether it was miko or or uh um you know ulysses and flora ulysses or or you know so they they kind of know me as somebody who can come in and create these creatures and animals and stuff that, and bring human qualities to them which is kind of fun and of course, a lot of the television stuff, I played all kinds of fun characters for them. But, um, you know, it's it does happen to voice actors, but now with social media, a lot more people, you know, and then of course, I mean, I do a lot of voiceover work with great actors like like Mark Hamill and, you know, Dwight, mm -hmm. Schultz, Dwight Schultz mm -hmm. over the years and mm -hmm. Billy West. And I mean, you know, amazing people who people know what they look like because they've also worked on television like I did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm just I've just more grown from that crazy character on a sitcom to mm. the you know that character actor that shows up on NCIS or whatever here and there and always playing something different than myself which is fun you know for me I mean that's what I always wanted to do but you know I enjoy voice acting I get to play a lot of things I would never mm. get to play on character mm. like Deadpool you know they're yeah. not going to hire me to play Deadpool come on yeah <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't care if I got like the best trainer in Hollywood. They're not going to hire me to play Deadpool on camera. But um, and I love Ryan Reynolds' version. Of oh that. yeah, Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, is awesome. yeah. He's awesome. Yeah. But well, uh, I wasn't dissing Ryan Reynolds. I was giving no, no, you no. I know that. I know that. I know that. I'm just, I'm just saying. I'm trying to get Ryan Reynolds on this. I, I don't need him to hear. No, 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 no. I didn't think you were dissing him. I just, <laughs> I just wanted people to know that because we both play the same character, that I wouldn't go. Why would they hire Ronald Reynolds? I did, you know. That was, you know, some people might assume that, but I think he he nailed it, you know. Oh and yeah. He was he was more towards dead. What I wanted to do the Deadpool, they wouldn't let me. <laughs> yeah. But um, you know, then I uh, what I thought came off the comic book as anybody could have done. So, but yeah, to answer your question, it's it. You know, I enjoy the anonymity, you know, in a lot of ways. But at the same time, I enjoy going to a convention where the fans know who I am. And I can I can also see some of the, you know, some of my heroes, yeah. you know, some of some of the people that I grew up loving or, mm -hmm. you know, uh, even people that have come up behind me who I really enjoy their work and, and mm -hmm. we get to hang and we get to enjoy each other's work and, and even do projects together sometimes. So it's mm -hmm. pretty cool. And this this one's from Jordan Adams. Uh, John, since the start of uh, the pandemic, do, does voice acting help when you record at your house? Totally. I mean, um, it's kept me working throughout the entire pandemic. Um, I was offered certain jobs. You know, it's like, hey, we're doing a movie in Atlanta. Can you would you be interested? Uh, no, you know, I'm not even going to get on an airplane. I mean, that was early on before they even had you know uh vaccines and well we're doing something up in vancouver it's like no you know i mean i know that you know i know that there are protocols and this kind of thing but um you know nobody needs to get sick you know it's not it's it's not anything that's worth it for my career at this point you know i i don't need to do that and um you know and it's respectful to other people too um as in the way that I do that, everybody has their own reasons for doing what they're doing. And I, I, I don't um, disrespect anybody for making their own choices. But, you know, I was able to upgrade my I always had a studio in my house, but it was always 
mainly for auditions, so it didn't have to be the best quality and the best quality. Um, you know, now they have internet patching where you know has replaced the ISDN line, um, which was a, a you know fiber optics line where you could record from home and it sounded like you were recording in the studio where they were recording it. They now have something that I could do that over the Ethernet. Yeah. So uh, Source Connect. So I have that, and I have, um, I have one of the nicest mics. I you know you might want to put in your home studio, and um, I, you know I converted a. Um, I, I've moved into a new home, and I'm building a, a new studio that's going to be awesome. Uh, uh, but uh, in the meantime, I had um, in my other home and in this home, I converted a, a walk-in closet, and it's plenty quiet enough. Because uh, the better the mic you know, the more it's going to pick up other sounds. Yeah. And, and um, so I, you know, I got a nice preamp and I got the whole setup. And I literally had one of my best years and years working from home. I did Flora and Ulysses from home. I did, um, you know, I did Dota uh, 2 from home, uh, which is, uh, you know, animated series is, is doing with a, uh, a lot of wonderful actors. And, um, you know, uh, Cameo. Uh, can't forget cameo cameos that I worked <laughs> yeah exactly um, well, we, worked... we always save the last question for alan lee alan lee last I, question forget it time's up oh <laughs> the sidekick is a dessert with a cherry on top and just <laughs> i have one for you how about how about any nerd that comes up and you say and he says did you like really really hit on elvira did I hit on Elvira? You know, I've known Cassandra. <laughs> at first, I first met Cassandra. Yeah. In 1985. I, oh, 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 really? Really? <laughs> she, a friend had brought her down to see me in that show, Three Guys mm -hmm. Naked from the Waist Down. Okay. Okay. Wow. And she and her husband were uh, mm -hmm. uh, together at that time and uh, met her. And she, <laughs> what a. Uh, awesome classy lady isn't and she though she's just unbelievable yeah. and has done really well for herself yeah. in in creating not only that character but her brand and she takes yeah. care, she takes care of her fans i mean yeah. we did a lot of stuff together we did all i figured i figured all, yeah we did all the not scary farms together we used to do the commercials yeah. for them and i gotta think we yeah. seen each other at a lot of conventions yeah. um last year a year before last we were in Salem together, which was kind of fun, and she she gave me one of her books, which I have, which I really love. Cool, her tabletop book, which is very sexy. Um, <laughs> even my wife thinks so, um, and uh, she keeps it on top. My wife keeps it on top of her desk in her office. Oh, um, but we just worked on Dota two together uh, mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. Andrew Robinson. Holy Lord! From, Hold from, a second. Yeah, Andy Robinson from Eastwoods. Yes, Magnus. Oh yes. my God! Wow, I, yeah. that would come up. I'm He's sorry. Finish a, your thought. What a wonderful actor. Um, yeah. Oh, oh, but uh, and really? and um, uh, Ashley Lawrence and who else is on that? Um, got a bunch of different people, but we we had an amazing time working on that. Um, wow. But she's wow. she's she's amazing. She. Uh, I love her, and she's. She, but you know, the fans love her because she's really good to the fans. Yeah. Well, John, speaking of fans, where can the the fans go and follow you and support you if you want to be followed? You know, follow me on Facebook. I they only allow you that five thousand people as friends, and when people fall off, I you know I always try. I to know. People I had to fight to get a friend request from you. <laughs> but you get. But you know what? I put out the same information whether you're a friend or not. Yeah. And I also try to see if people send me pms and stuff whether they're friends or not you know so you're not being left out just because you're not listed as a friend i mean they also have a you know um john because you're the crib keeper or tales from the you know the crib keeper there's a uh, facebook site for that too but of course i'm on twitter under my own name john kassir and i'm on instagram which i don't spend a lot of time on but i do occasionally get to it um also under my name and um cameo and memo or uh -huh. where, where i'm you know give you know doing people's fun gifts to each other it gets very busy here around halloween and um i've done everything from um gender reveals to uh you know penile jokes but um 
<laughs> yes, I know about trying to get a stiff to stand up. <laughs> <laughs> well, John, thank you so much for doing it. Yeah. The good news hey, is uh, I won't have to ask you for three more years. So fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I really had fun and I hope you did too. It was an honor to talk to you. I did, Keith. Thank you, guys. And um, thank you. Know, you. you know why they call him a sidekick? Because they always get kicked in the side in the end. Get out of my frame. This is not a two shot. Uh, anyway, um, I just had to go there. I was—I don't know no. why that came to me while we were talking about it. You're saying, that was awesome. The side got kicked. Uh, anyway, uh, you're all top bananas to me. Uh, love you guys. And I love all Thank your you. fans out there. I appreciate you as friends. And uh, Thank you, sir. Thank you for being fans. Well, thank you so much for doing it, John. Honored to talk to you, and have a great day. Happy Halloween, my favorite <laughs> horror day. <laughs> Check out John Kassir on Cameo. <laughs> and Razor Riffs. <laughs> and Razor Riffs. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much, John. Thank you again. Uh, thank subscribe, you. rate, and review. Uh, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. Patch me into all, patch all your stuff onto my sites. You're listening to Razor Riffs with Keith Razor and Alan Lee right here on LA Talk Radio. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the show. I really appreciate it. If you enjoyed it, Please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcast. Give us some feedback. Good, honest, terrible, doesn't matter. Also, follow us on social media. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Razor Riffs. I am also on Stereo if you would like to chat with me there. www.stereo.com slash Keith And on Cameo, www.cameo.com slash Keith If you enjoyed the show, please... Send us a donation on the Anchor app. We really do appreciate it, and we'll rift with you again soon.